Welcome to the Valley Avon Podcast, a weekly podcast provided by Valley Community Baptist Church, located in Avon, Connecticut. Let's pray together. God, in your presence, we confess that there is something in us that resists you, pushes back against what you want to do in our lives. So we're praying today, God, that you would push past our resistance. God, would you open our hearts, would you open our minds to what you would do in us today? And God, would you speak to us? In Jesus' name we pray, amen. In the first century, why do you suppose people were so eager to see the kingdom of God? People had been ruled, God's people had been ruled by a succession of empires for centuries. It began back in the 700s BC with the Assyrian Empire. The Assyrian Empire was the first one to come in and dominate God's people. In 721 BC, the Assyrians were able to breach the capital of the northern tribe of Israel, Samaria, and destroy the northern kingdom. They invaded the southern kingdom, but God cast them out and delivered the southern kingdom of Judah. But then in 587 BC, the Babylonian Empire that had replaced the Assyrian Empire conquered Judah. In 587 BC, they breached the walls of Jerusalem and destroyed Jerusalem and sent many of the people into exile for decades. In 539 BC, the Babylonians were replaced with the Persians, and the Persian Empire allowed God's people to return from exile and to begin rebuilding their cities, to begin rebuilding Jerusalem, to begin rebuilding the temple, and the Persians were in control for centuries until 336 BC when Alexander the Great became king of the Macedonians. And together with the unified Greek armies, Alexander conquered much of the known world at the time, including the kingdom of Judah. In 323 BC, when Alexander died, his generals continued to fight. They divided his territory up among themselves and fought between themselves and between their successors for control of those former lands, including the kingdom of Judah. They fought over Judah, and they tried to impose Greek language and Greek customs on the people of Judah. And then in 64 BC, the Romans took over. It had been centuries of one empire after another dominating God's people. There was a brief respite, a period of almost autonomy for God's people between the Greeks and the Romans. Another Greek-oriented king by the name of Antiochus had come to power, and Antiochus ordered that everyone in his realm abandon their religions and worship the Greek gods. 
Antiochus set out on a pogrom of persecution against other religions, against Judaism in particular. Antiochus would have Jewish mothers killed with their children just for being Jewish. Can you imagine anyone doing such a thing? Antiochus had Jewish men killed simply for possessing a copy of Torah. And he commanded the Jewish people offer pigs, which are considered unclean, as sacrifices to pagan gods. Agents of King Antiochus came to a small village in Judah with a priest named Mattathias, and, and the agents of the king ordered Mattathias to offer a pig in sacrifice to the pagan gods, and Mattathias refused, which meant that his own life would probably be short. Another man from the village stepped forward and volunteered to offer the pig as a sacrifice. And as he did so, Mattathias was consumed with anger and zeal for the Lord, and he killed the man offering the sacrifice, and he killed the agents of the king, and a rebellion began. The rebellion was led by Mattathias's son, Judas. Judas Maccabeus. Maccabeus means the hammer. Judas the hammer led the Maccabean revolt. And in the Maccabean revolt, the Jewish people were able to take back their temple. The temple had been desecrated by the Greeks, desecrated in unbelievable ways. Can you imagine what it would have felt like to regain the temple? Can you imagine what it would have felt like to cleanse that temple and begin the right worship of God again. It's an event, and the miracles surrounding that event that are celebrated annually in the feast of Hanukkah. And Judas Maccabeus' brother Jonathan was eventually installed as high priest and a kind of king, and there was a brief period where those high priest kings exercised a limited degree of autonomy and that was the picture that the Jewish people had going into the first century of what the kingdom of God would be like. That's what they expected the kingdom of God to look like. That's the picture they had of what the kingdom of God would look like. Judas, Maccabeus, Judas the hammer would rise. King David would rise and God's people would be free finally and at last from the succession of empires that had dominated them for centuries. So can you understand then why people would have been surprised when Jesus came on the scene? Jesus announced that the kingdom that everyone had been waiting for, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God was at hand. It was in him. And he preached. And he gathered no army. People were expecting Jesus Maccabeus, Jesus the hammer, Jesus the rock. Instead, they got Jesus preaching salvation from sin and the coming of the kingdom of God. Now, as we read again, Matthew chapter 13, verses 31 through 33, what we see is that Jesus is telling them that there is something more to come. Matthew chapter 30, 13, verses 31 through 33 read, Jesus put another parable before them saying, the kingdom of heaven 
is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his field. It is the smallest of all seeds, but when it has grown, it is larger than all the garden plants and becomes a tree, so that the birds of the air come and make nests in its branches. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. So these are the parables of the mustard seed and the parable of, of, of leaven. And we have read these now three times, but as we look at it again today, we see that Jesus is still telling us something about the kingdom of heaven. And what Jesus is telling us about the kingdom of heaven, about the kingdom of God, brings us great hope. And it puts a big call on our lives. Great hope and an even bigger What we discover here is that the kingdom of God displaces the kingdoms of this world. The kingdom of God displaces the kingdoms of this world. To understand what Jesus is talking about in the parable of the mustard seed, it helps to go back to the Old Testament. And in Ezekiel chapter 31, God is reminding the people that at a time in the past, he had brought low the king of Assyria, the greatest king of that day. The prophet Ezekiel was speaking to a tyrant in his own day and age. And as God spoke through Ezekiel to this tyrant, God reminded a tyrant in the present that in the past, God had defeated the king of Assyria, who seemed to be the greatest king ever. The Assyrians were the first great world empire that had dominated God's people in the ancient Near East. And God described the king of Assyria as being great, like a great tree, like the greatest of all known trees, the cedar, the cedar of Lebanon. And in describing him as a a great tree, a cedar, he said in Ezekiel chapter 31 that that this king had, had great impact. All the birds of the heavens made their nests in its boughs. He's like a tree. And all the birds of heaven make nests in its boughs. Under its branches, all the beasts of the field gave birth to their young, and under its shadows lived all the great nations. And so he's describing the ancient Assyrian empire as being like a great tree, and he's saying that birds of heaven, all the nations of the world, found a place to live inside of its branches, meaning that all the nations of the world had to come to the Assyrians, come to the Assyrian empire to do business. And they were forced to do so because the Assyrian empire had conquered much of the known world. They came willingly. And if they didn't come willingly, they came by force. And the Assyrians came to think of themselves as higher than God, as bigger and better than God. But God says, don't forget, that tree grew tall. That tree grew large. And when that tree asserted itself over me, God says, I cut that tree down to the ground. In Daniel chapter 4, we read something similar about Nebuchadnezzar, king of the second world empire, one of the greatest leaders of the Babylonian empire. In Daniel chapter 4, Nebuchadnezzar had a dream, and in his dream, Nebuchadnezzar saw himself as another great tree. In Daniel chapter 4, we read, its leaves were beautiful and its fruit abundant. 
And it was food for all. The beasts of the field found shade under it. And look at this. The birds of the heavens lived in its branches, and all flesh was fed from it. So once again, the leader of a great empire envisions himself, sees himself portrayed as a great tree, and the nations of the world must come to him. They come voluntarily, but really, they come because they have been conquered, they have been overcome. And God says about Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, you too have lifted your head up above me. And God proclaims that an angel will come and will cut that tree down and it will be nothing more than a stump. God says, I will humble Nebuchadnezzar, the great king of Babylonia. And so what is the message here that we are receiving? We're receiving a message that the kingdoms of this world don't stand. You see, the Bible tells us that God is the creator of the world. He is this world's true king, but we set ourselves up as kings, sometimes of literal states, but we set ourselves up as rulers of our own little territory. And when you put those little territories that we claim for ourselves, all of them together, those are collectively the kingdoms of this world. And we proclaim that we are sovereigns of the kingdoms of this world. Human beings claim absolute sovereignty in the kingdoms of this world. And it's the kingdoms of this world that stand against their true king, God. And we are the ones who suffer sometimes because of the kingdoms of this world. The kingdoms of this world impose their will on us. The kingdoms of this world come after us as society sometimes and seem insurmountable and large. And the kingdoms of this world sometimes come against us personally. But the message of Ezekiel chapter 31 and Daniel chapter 4 is that the kingdoms of this world do not stand. That's an important message to remember today. No matter how imposing or grand the kingdoms of this world look, even the greatest of them, the Assyrian kingdom, the Babylonian kingdom, they do not stand. Instead, the Bible tells us that the kingdoms of this world bow before their true king, Jesus Christ. In the Revelation, it is written that at the end, all the kingdoms of the world will gather one last time. All of their forces, they will look menacing, they will look imposing, they will gather everything they have to stand against King Jesus and against his forces. But they forget that King Jesus is the one who created the world, the one who in the beginning spoke and everything came to be. They stand against King Jesus, determined to assert themselves as the imposing, impossible to overcome kingdoms of this world. And Jesus Christ speaks a word once again, and they're done. They enter into judgment because the kingdoms of this world don't stand. The kingdoms of this world bow before King Jesus, and the kingdom of God displaces the kingdoms of this world. The kingdom of God will be a home for people from every nation. You see, Ezekiel chapter 31 and in Daniel chapter 4 aren't the last times that the Old Testament speaks about great trees. In Ezekiel chapter 17, God paints another picture of a great tree. And in Ezekiel chapter 17, we read, Thus says the Lord God, I myself will take a sprig from the lofty top of the cedar and will set it out. I will break off from the topmost of its young twigs a tender one 
And I myself will plant it on a high and lofty mountain, on the mountain height of Israel will I plant it, that it may bear branches and produce fruit and become a noble cedar. And under it will dwell every kind of bird. In the shade of its branches, birds of every sort will nest, and all the trees of the field shall know that I am the Lord. And so God says, the kingdoms of this world are like great trees in the fields. I will plant a little twig. I'll break it off from the cedars of Lebanon. And I will plant it in a bit of dirt on the top of a hill in Israel. Because it always begins with Israel. And I will take really good care of it and nourish it because it's going to start small and it's going to look and it's going to be vulnerable. It's just a clipping. But that clipping by my power will begin to grow. And it will expand and it will become the mightiest of all trees, the mightiest cedar. God is saying, this kingdom that starts small is going to become massive by his power. And he says that when this tree becomes massive, did you see? All the birds of the air are going to flock to its branches and make nests in its branches. Did you see what he said there? What he's saying is that it's going to become a home for the people from every nation and tribe and ethno-linguistic people group on earth. And he said when that happens and when this tree becomes everything that it is going to become, all of the other trees of the field, all the other kingdoms of this world will look at it and bow and recognize that the kingdom of God reigns and King Jesus is their true king. And now we begin to understand the message that Jesus is sharing with us in the parable of the mustard seed, because Jesus says the kingdom of God is like a seed. It's planted right there in the ground. It's just put under the soil, and it begins. It starts so small, and it starts to grow, and it grows into something big, and it has displaced all of its competitors. But then when it becomes full-sized and grown, it becomes a home for all the birds of the air. All the birds from all of the places will come and make their home in its branches. What he's saying is that the kingdom of God is going to become a place where everyone is welcome, people from every nation, tribe, and tongue will become a part of the kingdom of God. And that means that there is urgent work for us to do. If King Jesus says that the kingdom of God is like a seed that starts small, it's been planted in the world. It's like a bush that begins to grow. That bush is already growing. And as it grows, people from everywhere are going to flock to it. They're going to find themselves being made citizens of the kingdom of God. That is the invitation to all the peoples of the world, but it is delivered through us. And so the message to us is that we are to go and to invite the peoples of the nations, every nation, every tribe, every tongue, every ethno-linguistic people group on earth must hear the good news about Jesus and have an opportunity to come and they will make their home in the kingdom of God. Beyond that, as we look at these two parables, we see that Jesus is saying that the kingdom of God impacts the world fundamentally. The kingdom of God impacts the world fundamentally. 
What is it that leaven does when it's in some, some flour and some water? When leaven is in some flour and some water, the bacteria and the wild yeast in that leaven start looking for food, for fuel, for sugars. And the bacteria and the wild yeast begin to process that new fuel source, those new sugars. And as it does so, it changes those sugars. And as a byproduct, it lets off gas, carbon dioxide that forms bubbles inside of the growing loaf of dough. And it works hidden and in unseen ways, changing everything fundamentally and changing everything structurally until the entire dough lump is changed. And Jesus says, the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God is like that. It's like leaven that has been put inside of the great lump, the three measures that is the kingdoms of this world. The kingdom of God is like a leavening that has been put inside of it, and it is unseen at first, but that leavening of the kingdom of God inside the kingdoms of this world is at work in unseen ways, changing things persistently and pervasively from the inside out as the leaven of the kingdom of God is placed inside the lump that is the kingdoms of this world. People are called from the kingdoms of the world to become citizens of the kingdom of God, disciples of Jesus Christ, and things change. But as people come from the kingdoms of this world to become citizens of the kingdom of God, they are ambassadors of the kingdom of God. And ambassadors of the kingdom of God advocate for the kingdom and for King Jesus. Ambassadors of the kingdom of God advocate for the values of the kingdom of God, for the beliefs and the behaviors of the kingdom of God, and build those structures into the kingdoms of this world. And pretty soon, the whole thing begins to change. And we have to be realistic about what we can accomplish Here's the truth. The kingdoms of this world are not going to change and become the kingdom of God willingly. They're not going to bow to King Jesus voluntarily. And the kingdoms of this world are not going to become the kingdom of God fully and completely until King Jesus returns. We have to be realistic about what we can accomplish. But the parable of the leaven tells us that we have a role to play in the world. God has put the leaven of the kingdom of God inside the dough that is the kingdoms of this world. God has put his Holy Spirit into the world, and God's Holy Spirit is working in unseen but persistent and pervasive kinds of ways. And God says, and I send you, my disciples, to work, to join me in what I am doing in the world, to continue putting additional leaven throughout this big lump of dough. I call you to go to impact the world for Christ. You see, that's what the parable of the leaven calls us to do. It calls us to impact the world for Christ, to go and to make and multiply disciples of Jesus and to change the kingdoms of this world into the image of the kingdom of God. That's why we go and do what we do. That's why we go out and we build families that bring 
honor and glory to God. That's why we go and we learn everything that we can so that we can be as effective as possible for the kingdom of God. That's why we teach everything we know, equipping people with the knowledge they need to live as citizens of the kingdom of God. That's why we go out and practice medicine and show the love and the healing power of Jesus Christ. That's why we extend compassion to people. We go and we build businesses and we do business in ethical and God-honoring ways. We run for public office. We, We exercise the ability to bring justice to the world. We write, we create, we solve problems. We impact the world for Christ because the kingdom of God impacts the world fundamentally. This leaves us with one clear, clear call. And that is the kingdom of God calls us to go around the world. The kingdom of God calls us to go around the world. Stephen Carroll Smith shows us, show us what it looks like to go around the world. On World Outreach Weekend, we had a dinner, a lunch to celebrate their retirement after 38 years on the mission field. 38 years ago, they left from Wintonberry Church to go to the Ivory Coast in West Africa to make and multiply disciples for Jesus. When there, they realized that there was an opportunity in Ivory Coast to extend healthcare to people as a way to share the gospel and to make and multiply disciples of Jesus. And so they partnered together with other doctors from the United States and with a doctor from Africa. And in 2002, they opened the El Rafa Health Clinic. Now, the interesting thing is that the doctors who had come from the United States ended up having to go back to the United States. And the doctor who joined them from Africa died. And it's a reminder that when we serve the kingdom of God, it doesn't mean that everything is going to be easy. And that had to be an awful time for them in Ivory Coast. But it's interesting that they were able to see that seeds had already been planted and the kingdom of God was beginning to expand. Leaven had already gone in the lump of dough, and things were already beginning to change because they continued to keep El Rafa open, no longer with outside experts, but with healthcare professionals from Ivory Coast who had become Christians themselves. And they saw this powerfully not too long ago before they left Ivory Coast, through the ministry of one of the pharmacists at El Rafa named Aka. Aka led a devotional service one day and spoke on Jesus' call where he said, come to me all you who are weary and who are in need of rest. He invited them to accept Jesus Christ. At the end of the service, a Muslim couple came up to Aka and the husband said, my wife has been suffering with an intestinal illness for years. She's not been able to eat without pain. Consequently, she's not been able to sleep, and we have sought every kind of medical treatment available. They had even gone to neighboring countries to witch doctors looking for traditional medicine to maybe solve the problem, but no one had been able to touch the problem. And Aka asked them, would you like to receive 
Jesus. You see, they'd come to El Rafa because people had told them that El Rafa might be able to help, and they said, but even if they're not able to help, they will pray with you, and they will pray for you, and they will care about you. And Aka said, would you like to receive Jesus, who has changed our lives? And they said, of course, yes. And as Aka prayed with them to receive Christ, the woman became violently ill. She threw up, and actually, after throwing up, she said she was well. She went home and her husband called the next day to say she'd been able to eat without pain for the first time in years and had been able to sleep through the night. And as weeks progressed, she was healed completely. It just demonstrates that God is at work around the world, changing lives, impacting the world in fundamental ways and bringing people to faith in Jesus Christ. Here we see that seeds had been planted and the kingdom of God in Ivory Coast is growing like a mighty bush calling the birds of all the nations to come and make their nests in its branches. The kingdom of God in Ivory Coast is like a bit of leaven that has been placed in the lump of dough and that leaven is changing everything in unseen ways from the inside out. Kingdom of God calls us to go around the world. So the question is, what will we do? My question directly to you today is, will you pray? We pray for the people around the world who are sharing the good news about Jesus Christ. Because God is the one doing the work. And God is the one who is building his kingdom but he uses us, and he uses our prayers. So will you pray? Will you commit to praying for the mission that God is on around the world? But in addition to that, will you go? Will you give, I mean? The, the Smiths are on the field because of financial support from people like you and me. And through our World Outreach Fund, we together have the opportunity to support nearly three dozen missionary units who are in places around the world planting the seeds of the gospel and inserting the leaven of the gospel into the kingdoms of this world. Will you give so that they can do what God has called them to do? But in addition to praying and giving, would you go? Would you go maybe for a short time? You see, we have an entire raft of, of short-term mission trips planned for the next year. And these are opportunities for you to go for a few days up to a couple of weeks to work alongside of one of our world outreach partners to share the good news about Jesus. And it is one of the most life-transforming experiences you can ever have. But some of us are called to go for a long time. Some of us have to get home, but God gives some of us the opportunity to stay for years or for decades in other places. He sends people like Stephen Carroll Smith, like me, and like you to share the good news about Jesus around the world. What is God telling you to do today? To join his mission, to invite the peoples of the nations to come to the kingdom of God. Whatever God is asking you to do today, say yes to him.
thank you for joining us for this week's episode of the Valley Avon podcast. If you would like to hear more, you can subscribe for free on any platform you use. If you would like to visit us in person or would like to submit a prayer request, you can visit us on the web at avon.valleycommunity.cc. From all of us here at Valley Community Baptist Church, thank you for coming and have a blessed week.